Thank you, uh, Deacon Joshua, for leading us in reading God's Word. A blessed Sunday to all of you, my brothers and sisters in Christ here in UECP. I'm so grateful that you can join us together in worshiping our great and wonderful Lord, whether here in our sanctuary or for those, and or, or whether you are at home uh, and um, joining us online. Today we'll continue our journey through the book of Isaiah. And, uh, you know, last week, if you guys remember, Boksu LJ uh, talked about a righteous king who will lead God's people, whom God has promised through the prophet Isaiah. Do you guys remember that? I hope you did. Naalala nyo ba yung big idea niya? As kingdom people, we should grow in our dependence and allegiance on our righteous king. I hope that we will remember the things that um, we're being taught and we will be able to obey it. Today, um, this, um, we're going to be looking at another prophecy, okay? The prophecy that um, Pastor LJ talked about last week was, has been fulfilled 2,000 years ago by the coming of our Lord Jesus, our Savior King. Now, we'll be looking at another promise given by God, one that has yet been fulfilled today, but will be fulfilled at the end of our world during the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I remember, uh, the, I remember that starting the last quarter of 2021, up till today, even today, people have been posting pictures of their first vacation trip after the lockdown. Okay, first time niyang nakalabas. You know, because of the pandemic, many have felt really sad and they felt depressed for being stuck home for two years, no? Unable to enjoy life, unable to relax, unable to swim, no? But now, almost every place has reopened. People have started going out on vacation trips once again. In fact, just the past few weeks, you know, it's as if everyone I know are either in Boracay or in Singapore. Parang nakita-kita sila doon, hindi ko alam kung nakita-kita sila, pero nakita sa Facebook, everybody is either in Boracay and in Singapore. And so all those people who are vacationing for the first time after the pandemic were saying, oh, it was all worth the wait. Sino dito hindi pa nakapagbakasyon? After, okay, may mga ibang kamay, okay? I hope that one day you'll be able to, uh, after, um, as the pandemic hopefully goes down, no, we can also have that um, uh, vacation that is worth the wait. Now, the people of Judah were in a similar setting, no? But they had it worse. They weren't facing a global pandemic, but they were facing the Assyrians, a ruthless people who were gradually expanding their empire, conquering city after city. So, hindi rin siya makalabas. Takot sila. The Assyrians have already conquered the northern kingdom. And when they have destroyed the last remaining fortified city near Judah, which is the city of Tyre, the threat looms large over the people of God living in the southern kingdom. So takot na takot sila. They're not able to go out. The fear of death is always there. And that is when the Lord spoke to the people through the prophet Isaiah, which was recorded here in chapters 24 to 27 of his book. God told them of an event that will happen in their future, okay? Where cities will be destroyed, and yet God will feast with his people and give them a new city. 
He was giving the people something to hope for. He was giving the people something worth the wait, despite the struggles and the fears that they were facing during their time. And as I have mentioned earlier, Christians believe that this prophecy in chapters 24 to 27 has yet been fulfilled. Hindi pa, hindi pa nangyayari. So this means, what does this mean? It means this prophecy carries the same intention and the same hope for us today. It carries the same intention kasi hindi pa eh, no? We're, uh, we're supposed to anticipate it. That despite the struggles that we are facing today, there's something to look forward to. There's a promise waiting for us that is worth the wait. We don't know exactly when it will happen. The Bible doesn't tell us. But the Bible tells us that it will surely happen. And God wants to remind us today that waiting on the Lord will be worth the wait. Waiting on the Lord will be worth the wait. I, 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 um, I delivered a message with almost the same big idea as this. No? So now, as uh, Deacon Joshua said, let us keep our Bibles open to Isaiah chapter 25 so that uh, we will see and we will learn what is in store for those who wait on the Lord and how worth it it will be. I want you guys to open your Bibles because the passages that we have just read, I will not be flashing it in our screen, so I want you to use your own Bibles, electronic manyan or physical Bibles, to look at these passages. Now, let's continue. This passage is actually written, in this chapter 25, was written like a psalm. It's actually a song of celebration. It's a song of celebration being sung by a people, not of Isaiah's time, but by a people who are already experiencing this future promise. Now, you might be asking, meron ba? Are, meron ba experiences? No, wala pa tayo dun. But this is a prophecy of the future. So, this is a people singing, celebrating what they have been experiencing. Look at verse 1. Sabi niya, Oh Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name for you have done wonderful things. Plants formed of old, faithful and sure. They talked about something that the Lord has already done in their time. You know, this introductory verse brings encouragement right off the bat. Okay? Encouragement all those who read it. It seeks to proclaim the wonderful thing the Lord has already done. But even though its context is set in a distant future, it highlights that these plans were God's original plans from of old. Matagal na tong plans na to. Okay, they were not a spur of a moment decision by God. Okay, sige. Okay, tatayo na ako. I will save my 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 people. No. Matagal na tong plans ni God na to. From the very beginning, he has already all of these ordained all of these things to happen even before they came to pass. And so how is it an encouragement to us? This tells us that the Lord has planned His victory and the victory of His people from the very beginning. before pa. It hasn't happened yet to, in our time, but it has pla- been planned even before. And although we don't know the distance between when the plan were devised and when they will be executed, one thing is certain. Sabi niya, they are faithful and sure. 
They, will, they are faithful and sure. So although we don't know when it will happen, one thing the Bible wants to teach us, it will happen. And so, will all of these be worth the wait? What are God's plan for the end? Isaiah tells us that in the end, God will humble the ruthless nations and their cities will be destroyed. God will humble the ruthless nations and their cities will be destroyed in the end. Look at your Bibles, verse 2 to 3. For you have made the city a heap, the fortified city a ruin. The foreigner's palace is a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will fear you. You know, what is interesting here is that while the people of Judah, imagine this, go back to the time of the people, while the people of Judah he was hearing the news of the fall of the city of Tyre, a fortified city which has been a constant enemy of the Israelites, the Lord is telling them that in the end, the Lord will do the same thing. His judgment will be upon these same cities. They will be destroyed and His people will submit to Him. And what do these nations and cities represent? What do they represent to us and even to the next uh, to the time when it will be fulfilled? These nations and cities represent the enemies of God and His people. They are their oppressors and persecutors. During the Old Testament times, actually, if you've read through it, there were nations who keeps on attacking Israel. Maraming enemy Israel all around them. Some examples were the Egyptians, we hear of the Amalekites, we hear of the Edomites, we hear of the Canaanites, the Philistines, the Moabites, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, and there were many more. They were surrounded by enemies. And the Bible tells us that they were cruel. Many of them were cruel and oppressive against Israel. And not only are they cruel, they also gang up on Israel. So as you can see, living in Israel was not easy. They have Enemies surrounding them and nagkakampi-kampihan against them. Look at verse, uh, Psalm 83, verse 4 to 8. Okay, sabi dyan, they say, Come, let us wipe them out as a nation. Let the name of Israel be remembered no more. For they conspire with one accord against you. They make a covenant. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagrites, Gebal and Ammon and Amalek, Felicia with the inhabitants of Tyre, Ashur also has joined them. So as you can see, God's people has many enemies. But the irony, the irony is that God has always been there for His people, always protecting them. You know, as we look at history, and as history un continues to unveil itself, we see God's hand always working to protect His people. Their enemies were, sabi dito sa Isaiah 25, like, are like the storm and the heat. Okay? And yet God, sabi niya, was their shelter from their storm, their shade from the heat. Look at verse 4 to 5. Look at your Bibles. Sabi niya dito, for you have been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm against a wall, like a heat in a dry place. You subdue the noise of the foreigners as heat by the shade of a cloud, so the song 
of the ruthless is put down. As you can see, in the end, God promises to wipe them all out. And God's protection has never left His people. Their ruthless kings of this nation and their people will either submit to God or tremble in fear. Even their strongholds, the strongholds in fortified cities are nothing against God. You know, uh, many archaeologists says that the city of Tyre has a, is a fortified city with big walls, and yet they were destroyed. They put their trust, the people against them put their trust in their fortified cities. confidence and security. But all of these will not stand against God. They will be destroyed completely, and they can never be rebuilt. Now, what does this mean for us today? What does it mean for us today? It means that it matters where we put our allegiances on. It matters where we put our allegiances on. It matters kung sino yung kakampihan natin. Especially where our society is heading towards today in this generation. You know, for the past decades, Christianity here in the Philippines or even some place in the world has experienced peace, has experienced freedom to grow and exercise our faith. But if you look at our society now, today, we see that we see the growing hostility towards those who faithfully follows Christ and the Word of God. You know, just this past week, no, we read in social media on one host slash DJ slash vlogger was bashed and canceled for answering some interview questions with biblical truth. Sabe, she was called names. She was told mean things. And even false stories were spread about her. You know, just by telling the truth of what the Bible teaches. As I mentioned a few weeks ago, we are already living in a post-Christian world. Post-Christian natayo. We have opposers growing in number around us. In fact, we are now considered the enemy by many in our world today. Yes, many in our world hate Christians. They hate those who faithfully follow Christ. And so, it seems so much easier to just switch sides, tamaba, To abandon our faith and to live in peace with our world. But the Lord reminds us that it is futile to seek refuge in this world for He will bring devastation to the whole earth when our Lord comes back. Even strong cities, fortified cities, will not be able to stand against God. His enemies and the enemies of His people will be humbled in the end. Therefore, it is best to remain faithful to the Lord and wait on Him. For in the end, God will humble the ruthless nations and their cities will be destroyed. And victory belongs to our Lord. Therefore, brothers and sisters, let us keep on waiting on the Lord. No, habang naghihintay tayo sa mundong to, habang hindi pa tayo kinukuha ni God, we're here, it, we might suffer, it might be difficult, it might be very long. But Isaiah is telling us, God is telling us through Isaiah that it will all be worth it. Waiting on the Lord 
will be worth the wait because God will destroy all his enemies in the end. Now that we understand what awaits the Lord's enemies in the end, let us now learn ano naman yung waiting for those who faithfully wait on the Lord. Let's look at our Bibles in verse 6. Sabi niya dito, On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. You know, have you ever had a very tiring day? Sobrang pagod na ka from work or medyo nabasa ka because of the ulan. But at the end of the day, you were able to eat and relax like a king. Have you ever had that experience? Sobrang pagod mo, sobrang you had a bad day. But when you got home or wherever you're going, you feasted like a king. You know, I remember back in 2016 when I joined an Israel study tour. Which was, which was filled with hiking through these different biblical places. Puro hiking siya. And as we walk, they teach us ano yung significance ito. We have our devotions and have this stuff, no? Pero napakaraming lakad and climb. And the hardest and longest one was when we hiked down the edge of the Sinai Peninsula. Okay? The edge in the desert. The wilderness where the Israelites wandered for 40 years. Okay? It was our longest hike. We prepared for a very hot day because the pastor said the year before, apat na sapatos yung nasira dahil sobrang init. No? So we prepared for a very hot hike. Sobrang init. Our water bottles, punong-puno ng ice. Mga damit namin, sobrang nipis. But a quarter of the way into the four-hour hike, that means one hour, it started to rain. Umulan. And umulan and umulan and the, the, the breeze was so cold, it became freezing cold all the way to the end. So we hiked down that trail for three hours, soaked in water and with freezing cold winds. And so I mean, you can imagine when we saw the bus three hours later, no? we were so happy to reach our bus, nakapatay lahat ng aircon. Okay, and then when we got to the hotel, we all took our warm showers and then a glorious dinner buffet at the end of the day. Ang sarap. Hulaan nyo unang-una kong kinain. Soup, of course, to warm the inside, no? You know, this is, uh, this, this is what I remembered when I read this passage and what I imagine it will be like. The Lord did not just offer food to His people, not just ordinary food. He, feast them, he feasted them with food fit for a king, rich food and well-aged wine. Now, you got to ask me, I don't know how to appreciate good wine, but I would like to learn before the time comes. So if anyone are wine expert here, you know who to invite. No, just kidding. Joke lang, no? You know, this great royal feast awaits those who remain faithful to the Lord. But that is not all that God will be doing. As His people swallows good food, He will swallow up man's greatest fear, which is death. Look at your Bibles, verse 8. Sabi niya dito, He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of His people He will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. This tells us that in the end, God will feast with His people, and at the same time, destroy death once and 
for all. You know, as the threat of the ruthless Assyrians looms large over the land, swallowing one city after another, it is most likely that death was in everyone's mind. oras natin? Kailan kaya siya makakarating dito? Hanggang ilang oras pa ba yung meron tayo? You know? You're thinking about it. You know, even today, tayo, death is the biggest fear of most people or something that they really dread. I myself dread it so much. I myself have faced and dreaded death all my life. You know, for the past 37 years of my life, I have seen and experienced the death of my dad, the death of my mom when I was 20, the death of my grandpa when I was in seminary, and just last month, my grandma passed away. You know, all the ones who have raised me, all the ones who have raised me, who have sacrificed their lives for me, are now gone. And it just hurts. Death is definitely one of the most painful things I have experienced in my life. Death of a loved one, hindi death ko. And it keeps me wondering, no? Lagi kong iniisip to and dreading, sino kaya yung next? Sino kaya sa mga minamahal ko yung next? Okay? So I, for one, I, for one, can't wait for death to be over and gone. So imagine what a great comfort this verse brings to me. And I'm sure to some of you as well, if not all of you. Yes, when our Lord Jesus first came, He defeated sin and death by dying on the cross and resurrecting again on the third day. And according to Paul, death has lost its sting. Wala nang sakit, wala nang, wala na yung killing ano ng death, no? Because Jesus has made a way for eternal life already for those who believe in Him. But you know, as long as we are in our earthly bodies, we will still experience physical death. But you know, Isaiah 25 tells us a time will come that there will be no more death. No more death. And this will happen in the end when our Lord Jesus comes again. In fact, the book of Revelation confirms this. In Revelation 21, verse 3 to 4, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be with his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. In the end, God will feast with His people and destroy death once and for all. So what does this mean for us today? What does it mean for us today? Instead of living in hunger and in fear, let us trust the one who is able to feed and to save. Instead of living in fear, we must live in, our, in anticipation of our Lord's return. Oh, parang yung big idea lang pala next week, uh, last week. As kingdom people, we must grow in our dependence, ngayon, trust, and our allegiance to our righteous King. The same thing here. As we look forward, as we know that Jesus Christ has come, we must live in dependence and allegiance to Him. As we wait for His return, ganun din. It should help us live in dependence and allegiance to Him while we are waiting. And while we are waiting, let us spread the news. Have you realized we have 
solution to man's needs and man's fear? Nasa atin. Therefore, we must proclaim the message to everyone. Let us point them to the one who has the words of life, our Lord Jesus. So they too, instead of living in hunger and in fear, we live in eager anticipation of our glorious future. You know, here in church, every time we nagpapadala ng pagkain, whether in our staff or in our pastoral team, tatawagan na yan, oy, may pagkain sa pantry. Because we want everybody to join, tama ba? The same way in our Christian lives, we have the message of good news. We have the message of eternal life. Ganun din dapat ginagawa natin while we are waiting. We're calling everybody, hey, may pagkain dito. May eternal life dito kay Jesus. That's what we should be doing as we're waiting. Because we're waiting for something that is worth the wait. Let's ask people to wait with us. In the end, God will feast with His people and destroy death once and for all. This is the glorious and wonderful eternity that awaits those who wait on the Lord. Yes, the waiting will not be easy. We will still face hardships as we wait. There will still be tears. There will still be pain and more. But all of these tears, all of this pain will be worth it. For there is a great feast that awaits us in the end and our greatest worry will be gone forever. You know, this reminds me of a psalm. Even though I walk in the valley of the shadows of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Yes, even though we walk in the valley of the shadow of death, and the end of the journey, there await for us a great feast, a table prepared for us by our Lord. Now this psalm has greater meaning. Indeed, waiting on the Lord will be worth the wait. And waiting on the Lord was worth the wait. This is what the people are saying on the day Isaiah was prophesying about. Look at verse 9. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for Him that He might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for Him. Let us be glad and rejoice in His salvation. You know, in these final verses, Isaiah prophesied about two groups of people. These were the first one in verse 9. A people celebrating. They were celebrating. They were rejoicing. At last, tapos na yung paghintay natin. Yung paghintay natin was worth it. They have placed all their eggs in one basket. They have placed all their bets on the Lord. They have waited for Him, sometimes in pain, sometimes in tears, sometimes in persecutions, sometimes in hardships, and even death. But now all of those are gone. They have waited, but not in vain. For they are now enjoying the glorious royal feast that their God has prepared for them. And they cannot help themselves but declare their joy to the world. But as I have said, there were two groups of people here. The second group were mentioned in the following verses. We're not so fortunate. Isaiah 25, verse 10 to 12. Look at your Bibles. Sabi niya, For the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain, 
and Moab shall be trampled down in his place as straw is trampled down in a dunghill. And he will spread out his hands in the midst of it as a swimmer spreads his hand out to swim. But the Lord will lay low his pompous pride together with the skill of his hands and the high fortification of his walls he will bring down, lay low and cast to the ground to the dust. The second people that were mentioned was the city of Moab, one of Israel's closest kin. Anito Moab, they're the nation that came from Abraham's nephew Lot, who broke away from him. And thus, therefore, was excluded from God's covenant promise of blessing to Abraham and his descendants. And throughout Israel's history, they have been a constant snare against God's people. One time, Moab even partnered with Assyria to take down Judah. But here in Isaiah 25, Moab is simply a representation of all nations and people who are against God. Who are against God and who refuse to trust in Him. These verses describe what will happen to them. Sabidito, they will be trumpeted, trampled down in a dunghill. Napaisip ako dati, ano tong dunghill na to, no? Well, it is a mountain of dung. A mountain of refuse. Or in children's language, a hill of poop. That's where they will be trampled to. In their pride, they will try to swim out of it. With the skill of their hand, they will try to swim out of it that they will not be able to. They have trusted on their fortified walls. They have trusted in their alliances. They have trusted in themselves. They have trusted in the skill of their hands to save themselves. But the Lord will have none of it. No way. He will cast them to the ground, to the dust, in a pit, in a mountain of dunghill. In the end, the people who waited and trusted on the Lord will celebrate, while others will drown in their worthless pride. The prophet Isaiah, even during the Old Testament time, have prophesied this important biblical truth. Those who wait on the Lord, putting their trust in God's Messiah, acknowledging their need for Him to be saved, will be saved. But those who pride themselves on their own strength, own capabilities, own righteousness, they will all be humbled, or to put it bluntly, they will all be humiliated in their own pride in the end. Do you know that the same truth is taught in the New Testament by Jesus and His disciples? In John 3 verse 18, sabi niya, However, uh, whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. John 14 verse 6, he said, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4, 11 to 12. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders which has become the cornerstone, cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must 
be safe. In that interview I was talking about earlier, the question was asked, sabi niya, do you believe a non-believer will go to heaven? A non-believer as in someone who doesn't believe in Jesus? The answer from the Bible, both Old and New Testament, is no. They will indeed face judgment and go to hell. Not their righteousness nor their efforts to be good will be enough to bring themselves out of that mountain of poop. Brothers and sisters, this is the brutal truth to those who pride themselves on their ability, on their own goodness, their own righteousness. This is a brutal truth to them. But this is the gracious truth to those who acknowledge their own sinfulness, their own brokenness, their own helplessness, and who are waiting on the Lord's salvation. Brothers and sisters, as we continue to wait on the Lord in this life, here on this earth, this truth will continue to be challenged. It will continue to be challenged, but let me tell you, it will never cease to be true. It will never cease to be true. Our allegiance to our Lord and our trust in His Word might bring us hardships. Yes, it, will cause us to be, it might even cause us to be persecuted, rejected, or in this generation's time, canceled, and possibly even executed. Malay natin. That's possible. But remember, in the end, in the end, God will humble the ruthless nations and their cities will be destroyed. In the end, God will feast with His people and destroy death once and for all. In the end, the people who waited and trusted in the Lord will celebrate while others will drown in their worthless pride. So, if you are going to ask me, is it worth to wait in trust for our Lord Jesus? Is it worth it? My simple answer is, Yes, Jesus is worth the wait. Jesus is worth the wait. Let us pray. Father in heaven, just want to give thanks for today. We thank you for the message you have given us through the prophet Isaiah, reminding us of this truth, that there is, in no, there is no way to be saved but through our Lord Jesus Christ, whom you have promised even before, and you have given us 2,000 years ago, and who has promised to come back and fetch us again. And in that day, we will celebrate. In that day, we will rejoice, while your enemies will be humbled, humiliated. Father, I pray, therefore, that you will teach us to, con to continue to grow in our allegiance to our Lord Jesus, to continue to depend on Him for our daily needs instead of living in peace in our world, with our world just to survive. For Lord, to You belong the words of life. And Father, help us to not sit idly by as, idly by as we wait, but help us, Lord, to spread the news. Spread the great and wonderful news that it is not by our own efforts, it is not by our own righteousness that we can be saved. It is by trusting in the one's righteousness 
in Jesus Christ's righteousness and what He has done on the cross to give us eternal life. Help us not to sit idly by and wait while we see other people suffer. Help us, Lord, to spread the news that Jesus is indeed worth the wait and encourage our brothers and sisters who are struggling in their faith. Remind them Jesus is worth the wait. This is my prayer in His wonderful, wonderful eternal name. Amen and amen.